morning. We are thankful for each one who's here with us this morning. No doubt there are always those lessons that you prepare that when you do so, uh, you're talking to yourself just as much as you're talking to anyone else. And we talk about controlling one's temper. This is one I think, uh, I'm sure one I can work on as well. I'm sure we all at times have things which we need to work on. And uh, this is one that uh, I'm not sure I've actually done one on temper, but as we saw there a moment ago in James 1, verses 19 and 20, uh, we saw there in verse 20 there how the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, which means it's not something that brings glory to God. And so this morning, I want to show what the Bible says about controlling our temper and really also our anger as well. And we want to begin by asking ourselves some questions. Have you, have you ever lost your temper? And what, and this next question is what we're going to be addressing more as we go through this, is what affects your temper and why? What are some things that really upset you that can cause you to lose your temper? You know, sometimes in life we have things that don't go our way. Maybe we hit our hand with a hammer. Maybe we have a, a wreck of some type and we get very upset about it. But there are some things in life which we can uh, control uh, a little bit better. And I think our temper is one of them. Like I said before, I'm speaking to myself just as I'm speaking to uh, all of you this morning as we think about this. And we want to begin by looking at some warnings uh, from the Bible. Some warnings from the Bible, because we do have warnings in the Bible. We do have examples about one's temper from the Bible. Why have some lost their temper in the Bible? And we look at some examples, uh, particularly from the Old Testament. And one that comes to my mind is going back to 2 Kings chapter 5, verses, uh, verses 1 through 4, where you have here the occasion of Naaman. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable, honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria. He, also, he was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. So one of the things I want us to think about here in verse, these first two verses, or first verse rather, is who this man is. The Bible says plainly he was a commander of the army of the king of Syria. He was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. And he tells us why, because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria. He also was a mighty man of valor, but a leper. We continue reading, the Bible says, And the Syrians had gone, gone out on rage and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She, she, waited on Na she waited on Naaman's wife, and she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus, thus and thus is the girl who is from the land of, Syria, land of Israel. We jump ahead to verse 8. It says here, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard, from, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with, with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house, and Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Verse 9, verse 10 there. Verse 11 says, But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal 
the leprosy. Think about this for a moment. Why was he upset? He says in verse 11, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on him the Lord. Surely he will do this in the way that I think it should be done, right? Look at verse 13. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? And so they're really asking him the question, really, why are you upset? If he told you to do something that was, you know, a great action, would you have not have done it? But the action was simple, wasn't it? Go and wash and you'll, and you'll be clean, right? We back up there to verse uh, 10, 10 there. It says, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. See, it wasn't the idea of being clean that made him upset what was, what was to be done. But it was the idea that he wasn't given what he thought was a proper respect in verse 11. He thought, excuse me, uh, verse, not verse 11, but verse 13 rather, he thought that he would come out to him and address him personally. Remember back in the first few verses there that says he was a great man? He wanted someone to come out and address him as that great man. Was he right to be angry? Why did he become angry? Why did he lose his temper? as we saw back in verse 11. What about jealousies? We go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, looking at verses 7 and 8 of 1 Samuel 18. So the women sang as they danced and, and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and, and the saying displeased him. He said, they have described to David ten thousands and, and to me they have described only thousands. Now what more can, can he have but the kingdom. Jealousy and a little bit of fear made Saul very upset, didn't it? Think about what he says. He ascribed to David tens of thousands. To me, they only ascribe thousands. Only thousands. You hear someone say it's only $19,900 to about something, right? Say a car, right? That's why they put that dot 99 at the end of it, right? So it sounds less. It's only 19,000. Like one person said one time, a character said, uh, you know, you can't say that number and say only before it. David, or Saul here rather, says, they, they ascribe to me only thousands. Was Saul still being given credit? In reality, he was. And David was too. Keep in mind, who was Saul? He was a king. And he didn't view it as David being a servant who was tremendous and doing an outstanding job. No, he said instead there in verse 8, they only ascribed to me thousands. He began to lose his temper, didn't he? He got angry. And he also showed a little bit of fear. That he thought, well, now David's going to try to come and take the kingdom because that's all that's left. What about being, losing one's temper because of the truth? 2 Chronicles chapter 16 2 Chronicles chapter 16, looking at verses 7 and following. It says, At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubin not a huge army with, many, with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied on the Lord, because you, because, yet, because you have relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Looking next at verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. 
In this you have done foolishly, therefore from now on you shall have wars. Then Asa was very angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. Did Asa lose his temper? Yeah, he snapped, basically. You ever heard the phrase, don't kill the messenger? Well, how about you just imprison him? Because that's what he did. He said there in verse in verse 9, notice what, what actually is said. And Asa seems to clearly just ignore this part. And he does so because he sought after uh, counsel somewhere else. He says, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now notice, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Asa ignored that part. We know that from verse 9. He says, In this you have done foolishly, therefore from now on you shall have wars. Because you haven't what? Been loyal to him. He says you're going to have wars. And Asa clearly loses his temper and becomes angry in verse 10 because he imprisons the seer who was sent to him. And also we find there he also oppressed some of the people at that time. We are warned also, as we think about these examples in the Bible, about those who've lost their temper. We think about there with Naaman and then with Saul and then with Asa here. We also are warned in the Bible to stay away from those who are angry or those who lose their temper. The idea, the idea seems to be those, especially those who lose it very quickly. You ever talk with someone and it always seems like they're angry about something? I'm not talking about those who are complaining about something or worried about something. I'm talking about those who are just always angry about something. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 24. We find that we are to avoid the angry and the furious person. In Proverbs 22 and verse 24, he says, Make no friendship with the angry man, and with the furious man do not go. Stay away from that person. Now, I'm not afraid to say that I've lost my temper before, and I'm sure in the future I will again for various reasons, because I'm not a perfect person. But then there are those who are constantly angry. I remember one person who I didn't know all that well, but whenever we played basketball together, he lost his temper every time. He was older than me. I'm not talking about some little young guy. He was older than me. He lost his temper almost every single time. Started almost several fights, or what almost became fights. Do we want to become friends with a person like that? No. We are warned not to do that. He says in verse 24, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go. Those who are quick to, to be angry or soon to be angry about everything are called foolish. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 9, do not, do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger resists, or your anger rests in the bosom of fools. Means you act like a foolish person when you become angry, especially when you become quickly angry about something. You ever got lost your temper about something and thought later not only was it foolish, but it was a stupid thing to get angry about in the first place? Mean times when a person loses their temper, they behave foolishly. No doubt, mean times embarrass themselves. Asa behaved foolishly, right? He imprisoned an innocent man and oppressed people because he didn't like the truth being told to him. We know Naaman acted foolishly back in 2 Kings when he told, was simply told, go and dip seven times. And Naaman said, no, you come out to me and you wave your hand. He was angry. And we know Saul lost his temper when he heard them singing about David. 
We do not want to be like these individuals in, in these, at least not in these occasions. We also have to think about the, when we think about losing our temper, we have to think about the what and the why. Because to help to understand and control our temper, we have to realize what sets us off. And sometimes, if we're honest, we think about some things we get lost our temper about. If we're honest, many times we'd say to ourselves, that was ridiculous. Why not lose my temper about that? Why not get up angry about that? You know, we find the Bible, as we'll talk about a little bit later, where individuals became angry. And the Bible references the idea of a righteous anger, right? I mean, Christ went to the temple and drove them out with a whip made of cords, right? He flipped over their tables. He lost his temper. Did he commit sin? No, he saw them doing things that were wrong, and he drove them out. Righteous anger. So it is possible to lose, to become angry with, with, with about things without sinning. And it depends vastly upon what we're talking about that made us angry. We think about what affects your, temp, your, your temper. Is it the actions of others? If we're honest, many times we can't help the actions of others. We want people to behave a certain way and they don't behave a certain way. And it makes you angry. We can't control their actions. We're about our own battles, whether they be spiritual or, or emotional. And notice there, I separate those two because they don't always go hand in hand. But spiritual bat battles, we lose our temper because we, we have sinned in some way or we fall short and we get angry with ourselves. And then what, what happens? We sin again, perhaps. <coughs> or it's emotional. That is, we face emotional struggles because of depression or various hardships in our lives. And we lose our temper. We become angry about situations in our own lives and we can become angry we can lose our temper maybe we lose our temper because we are overwhelmed perhaps at work at home or just overwhelmed by the world of seeing us all around us and we can lose our temper what about anxiety worry about things that may or may not happen worry about the things that you cannot control and we can lose our temper. Do you ever worry about our government? Do you ever worry about leaders in our government in general? I don't mean just certain ones, but overall. Do you ever worry about the economy? Worry about your job? Worry about your home? Worry about your children? Worry about your spouse? Worry about yourself? Worry about your family that's, you know, your mother-in-laws, your father-in-laws, your, your own father, your own mother, things like that? All are things that can cause us anxiety. We're not careful. can cause us, and we're talking about those things, to trigger us, and we can become very angry and lose our temper. We want to understand how we can control our temper. We have to understand what sets us off and why. And no doubt this list could, could go on and on when we think about things that make us angry and what causes us to lose our temper. And many times, like I said before, they're very, they can be very foolish things, or they can be very serious things as well. But I think we have to ask the question next is, why does this affect your temper? Or why does this make you become angry? Why do we get upset about the things we get upset about? Why did Saul allow David's success to affect him? And, why, and have you ever acted in a similar way? Why did Saul behave that way? If we're honest, we can probably give several answers. He was jealous because of what he's done. He was fearful because he thought he was going to come and take his kingdom. You remember how David actually spends a lot of his time Following this, because of Saul, he spends it fleeing from Saul. Do you remember that? How Saul begins to pursue him. And several times, I believe at least twice, David had the chance to kill Saul, but he didn't. 
Saul was angry with David, if we're honest, really, without cause, wasn't he? He had done nothing, but he had only done what was required of him. And have we ever acted in a similar way? Do we get, get upset with someone because they've only done what they're supposed to do, but it just sets you off for some reason? Maybe it makes you jealous. Maybe it makes you worry about your own position. If you're talking about work or something. Maybe you think, well, they keep doing that good. Maybe I'll be out of here for too long. Maybe I should think about that and get you upset. Reasons go on and on. Many times, if we're honest, we think about it. Our mind creates, creates situations that do not even exist. And causes us to worry and causes us to lose our temper about things that may, may not ever happen or may not even matter at all. Why did Asa become upset in 2 Chronicles 16? Why throw the seer into prison? Why was he upset? Because he didn't like the truth. Do we always like when someone tells us the honest truth about something? No. Because we feel like, well, maybe I think I'm never wrong. Maybe I think they're wrong. Even though we, re we realize that we're not actually right. Did Asa know that what God had told him was right? Absolutely. God's never wrong. Asa knew that he had not trusted in God as he should. And instead of changing, he threw the seer into prison and then began to oppress the people. We don't want to be those who take out our, our anger on others or, or, or become angry at all because of the truth being revealed to us. The message from God was truth and it caused Asa to lose his temper and he became wrathful and in the end he hurt innocent people. Some lessons for us to think about today. Anger often causes hardship. Anger never resolves things. You know, when, when Christ drove them out of the temple, it resolved them being in the temple, but it changed the heart of the people there. It didn't seem to do so. Remember, they begin to question, by what authority do you do these things? And on and on and on. Was he right to drive them out? Absolutely. But that's, a, that's an example of righteous anger. Does, does ungodly, wrathful acts of man, do, do those things ever solve any problems? No. In fact, it really creates him. Look at Psalm 37, looking at verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Anger only causes more and more problems. Our temper and our wrath must be brought into control. It doesn't matter who we are, what position we hold in life, what stage we may be in life, we must be one who controls our temper, controls our anger. In Psalm 14, looking at verse 17, he says, A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly. We get angry, we do something that is wrong. Asa, did he, when he got angry, did he act foolishly? Yes. Saul, when he became angry, did he act foolishly? Yes. Did Naaman, when he, when he became angry, did he act foolishly? Yes. He demanded that they come out to him instead. Saul pursued David, Asa in prison, and oppressed people because he got upset. Wrathful, ungodly anger never solves anything. It only creates more and more problems. You know, we talk about leaven sometimes and how the idea of a little leaven leavens the whole lot. That is, it affects everything. 
Anger can affect a lot of people, can it? Not just the person who is angry, but also those who are around them. Ace is a good example of that. Did it affect people around him when he got angry? Yeah. What about Saul? It affected David. It affected David's friend. What about Naaman? Did it affect those around him? Yes, his own servant said, if he, told him, if he had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? It affected them too, didn't it? It affects everyone around us. Look at Proverbs chapter 27. Looking at, we're going to focus on the first part here, verse 4. Wrath is, is cruel and anger a torrent. Torrent literally means a deluge, a flood, outrageous and overflowing. This shows how anger can grow and become out of control. Those three examples we gave earlier, did anger become out of control? Ask the seer who Asa threw in prison. Ask the people who Asa oppressed. Ask David if Saul's wrath became out of control. Ask those who were there with Naaman if his wrath became out of control. He demanded things of Elisha just to come out and stand before him. Why? That wasn't needed. Do you remember... When Christ healed, what was he, centurion servant, uh, uh, centurion's uh, servant? How the servant said, you know, when Christ said, I'll come to your house, and he said, you're not worthy to be coming underneath my roof, but just say the words and she will be healed. He said, don't come to my house, just say the words. You notice how Naaman is the exact opposite? Come out to me and wave your hand. You see, we see examples of the proper response. Naaman was anything but proper. Again, wrath, he says here, is cruel. And anger, a torrent. That is, it just over, it can overwhelm us. It can overwhelm our actions. It can overwhelm our attitudes. and can affect others around us. Anger can be sinful. I mentioned this earlier, how it can be. Just because we're angry about something doesn't mean we're in sin. It depends what we're talking about. We must take, take on the task of controlling our temper and our anger, though. We look at Colossians 3, looking at the first part here, verse 8. He says, he says but now you yourselves put off all these, anger, wrath, and lists several other things. But we're focused on the anger and the wrath, right? Put off anger and wrath. That is, we don't allow those things to be a part of who we are. When we find those things in our life, we correct it. We repent and we try to keep those things out of our character as a Christian. Put, he says, but now you yourselves are to put off these things. Anger and wrath, our temper, must be in our control. Again, not all anger is sinful. You look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 19. He says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Wrath is to be given to God. He will exercise godly wrath, right? Or righteous anger. Does God pour out his wrath righteously upon the wicked individuals we find throughout the Bible? Absolutely. He is righteous in his anger, which means he is, justif he is justified in his anger to be, to be upset about things in certain situations. Think about how God was angry with the people in Noah's time. And he put out his wrath upon all the earth there with the flood. Sodom and Gomorrah, was God right to be angry with those individuals? Yes. When Christ drove them out of the temple, was he, was he right to be angry with what was happening? Yes. Again, righteous anger. He didn't just lose his temper over something that didn't matter. 
He said they made his father's house a house, a place of merchandise, and he drove them out. Righteous anger is possible, but we have to realize sometimes our temper getting away from us is not righteous. Us losing control of our of our anger, losing control of our actions because of wrath is not righteous. God's wrath on sin is an example of righteous anger. We must remember that losing one's temper can lead to real anger and wrath. We are not to be one whose wrath is easily seen. That is, our anger should not be easily on display. You go back to James chapter 1, looking at verses 19 and 20. He says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. There are times we, have to, we need to be upset about things. We need to be upset about wickedness. We need to be upset about sin. We need to be upset about those who are not serving God as they should. I mean by that, those who are not here today that should be, that should be upsetting to us. But we have to be those who are slow to wrath. We make sure wrath has its proper place. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Verse 20, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It means the wrath of man does not produce anything that's good. Righteous anger is quite different, but the wrath of man does not produce what is good. We want to make sure we do our very best to control our anger, to control our temper. Let's notice one final verse here, Proverbs chapter 16, in verse 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Isn't that verse <clears throat> all about control? Controlling who we are. When we can control our actions, we control our attitudes, our thoughts, our temper, we become very strong people. If you want to agitate some people, tell them the truth and do so in a calm, collected voice. And for some people, that will just drive them crazy. Because we're honest, that's what the world wants to see, is an angry, out-of-control person who professes to be a Christian. But we can allow that to happen. You look there in verse 32. He who is slow to anger, he says here, is better than the mighty. Which tells us it doesn't matter how strong you are, how big of a person you are, as my brother likes to say, it doesn't matter how big of a bully you are. If our anger is not in control, we become like them. If our anger is in control, he says, you are better than the mighty. And he, he says here, and he who rules his spirit controls our person, controls who we are. He says he is better than what? He who takes a city. He is better than a conqueror when we control ourselves, including our temper. The world around us, it would seem, has, among many things, lost its temper, hasn't it? It has lost any sense of control. But we think back to, to James chapter 1, 19 and 20. We think back to all those verses there in Psalms and Proverbs. We look at examples of those who've lost their temper for ungodly reasons. And we find that when we as a Christian lose our temper, we do not profess godliness. And that's why we have to make sure we do our very best to take care of that.
that we repent, that we work to control our anchor so that we, when we go out to this world, as Christ tells us, we can be a light to those who are around us, right? Not an angry light, not a red light, but a bright, white, calm light that can lead people to God, to the truth, and by doing so, one day also lead them to the heavenly home. So when we think about controlling our temper, we, we have to realize that when we fail to control our temper, we also have the very real possibility of losing the chance to help someone come to heaven. The last thing we want to do is allow something like our temper to cause someone to not listen to the Bible message. So let's be those who always strive to make sure we have everything in control in our lives. We're going to have slip-ups, we're going to have mistakes, but we work to control those things and make sure that we are those who are always in control of ourselves, our actions, our thoughts, our intentions. As the Bible tells us, God knows even our intentions as well. And when we have those things in control, we can be the best light we possibly can be for those around us, that we can show them Christ and show them the truth of God's Word. This morning, as you think about these things, we can help you or assist you in any way. We're glad to do so. As we stand and sing the song.